Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Message time. We're going to have several fathers share. And Martin, would you come up and start us off with sharing for a few minutes? Thank you. The the request was to say something about being a father, Father's Day, and kind of free associate whatever I want to pull out of that. (laughs) And um, I find it interesting that when asked if we could say good things about our father that taught us the character of God. A lot of us couldn't say a whole lot. Some of us might not want to say things, but our fathers were sinners, our sinners, if they're still alive. My father passed away. So as I thought about the request to talk about something about Father's Day, I thought the history of Father's Day goes back to the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother, and it will go well with you. The attitude of a child towards the father is to be one of honoring, whether it's a good father or a bad father. But I want to emphasize this morning the relationship of a child and father. And the Apostle Paul, actually Jesus, it's interesting, he's pray, in his great prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Matthew, no, in Mark 14, 36, he prayed this at the end. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you, Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Father. The term Abba is an endearing term of a small child saying, Daddy. You think of a little child standing up in front of her father, holding her arms up or his arms up and saying, Daddy, hold me. That's the picture of what we are like before God the Father, if we're his son or daughter. Abba, Father. That endearing term, that, that emotional connection with another human being or another being. Uh, My father likewise grew up in the depression and it is interesting that a lot of men say they are not connected emotionally or they don't show emotion. I think that's a shame personally. I think the culture emphasizes that so much on a man that a man should be able to show emotion. That biblically speaking This is the Jesus saying to his Father in heaven, Daddy. The Son of God saying to his Father in heaven, Daddy. Daddy, not your will, not my will, but your will. And then the Apostle Paul uses the same term in Romans 8, 15. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption where a a father takes over in the place of another father who's not there and picks the child up and claims that child to be his. We cry out, Abba, Father. We've been adopted into the family of God. Again, that image of a child holding his or her arms up to the Father in heaven saying, Daddy, I'm yours. Hold me. I need your touch. And then Galatians, the Apostle Paul likewise says, You are sons. God has sent forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I've raised three children, and we've enjoyed Father's Day and Mother's Days. And the cry of my heart 
with my children is that they will, all three of them, have a relationship with God so that they look towards the Father in heaven and they cry out to him, Daddy in heaven. That there's an endearing, loving relationship that God's not far away, that he's very, very close and he wants to be intimately involved in our lives and that that will cultivate a life of prayer with the Father, not a Father in heaven who's stern and telling them they can't have any fun in church telling them they have to do certain things to make him happy. No, it's a loving relationship. And from that love produces a life of wanting to obey the Father in heaven, wanting to do good things for the Father in heaven, not out of duty, but out of love and relationship with him, to please him, to glorify him. So for me, Father's Day is trying to live out that relationship with God as a 61-year-old man, I'm 61 now, and still keep the attitude that we must become as a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. That loving relationship of knowing God cares for us, every detail of our life he cares about, he's very, very close, and he wants to be walking with us day by day. I'm Jeff Fisher, most of you know me. Uh, I have four children, oldest is 36, the youngest is 28, three are married, one is single, and five grandchildren. Mike called me yesterday to see if I could help out. I said, sure, but we'd had two grandkids overnight Friday, so I didn't have any energy yesterday to do anything until I got up this morning to uh, try to put something together. And when I, when I was reading, uh, several days ago, I came across this verse, so I'm going to try to figure out how I can tie this into Father's Day. And God is talking, and he says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Um, my challenge to fathers today and even us fathers with grown children and grandchildren is that fatherhood is a balancing act between by trying to be a sensitive authoritarian. And I think that pictures our father, like Martin was saying. He's Abba Father, he is sensitive. He's not overbearing, smash all your fun, but yet he is God, he is the authority. Sensitive authoritarian. Um, so my mom and dad surprised me today and I'm going to, I'm going to use a story. Even you think of sensitive authoritarian, I want you to remember this phrase, one more dive. When I was a kid, my dad would take us up to Stone Lake, the public beach. Some of the old timers can remember that, uh, if you lived in the Middlebury area. Anyway, when we, when it's time to go and you tell your kids, come on, it's time to go. You get all the excuses, all the uh, playing around, not getting around, da 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 da. Well, my dad's philosophy on that was when it was time to go, he would say, okay, you have one more dive and then we're gonna go. Um, and that dive would often be your best, most dramatic, you know, the helicopter dive, or the back dive, or the cannonball, whatever. But you had one more dive, and then it was time to go. And I think that represents our father. He's not the authoritarian that right in the middle of running down the pier says, whoops, stop, get back here, we're going home, let's go. 
And yet, the second dive, you're in trouble. You had one more dive, and we had fun doing it. You could do whatever you want, be wild and crazy. But the second dive, you were in trouble. You weren't supposed to do the second dive. And I think that's a picture of our father. Somehow he perfectly balances sensitive, loving compassion. And yet these verses say, um, the first part of that verse says, this is what the Lord says, who created you? Do not fear, for I have redeemed you and I have summoned you by name. And we're not always perfect dads. I remember the time that one daughter was doing chocolate chip cookies after I went to bed, and there was something in the bottom of the stove burning, and that stupid fire alarm went off and woke me up, and, well, anyway. <laughs> I was not perfect. <laughs> I don't like getting woke up when I gotta get up and go to work the next day. We fail. As human fathers, we fail, but our God never fails us, and yet he's that sensitive father. We need to ask for forgiveness from our children when we fail and move on from that. Um, and so I guess that's what I want to say, what I've learned about being a father, that somehow our father in heaven is the perfect sensitive authoritarian, and that's what we have to be to our children, uh, loving and kind on them, and yet teach them to respond to us in a loving way. So my name is John Sparks. I have been a father for six months. I am supremely wise and experienced. And Jeff, um, I don't know what's wrong with you. I am perfect. We have uh, two, how do I say this? Rambunctious uh, five-year-olds that you see uh, daily after church running and screaming. Um, and one of the things that I have learned about God comes from just seeing them. Last week on the way home from church, ironically, uh, we saw some people walking on the side of the road in Middlebury. And Kira said, I want to get out and walk home. That's, you know, it's still a ways to our house. And my wife said, oh, Kira, you, you wouldn't you would get lost so fast, you wouldn't have any idea where to go. And she said, well, I do the best I could. <laughs> and I thought about it, and that's very sweet and everything, but it really is, I mean, we are, I, 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 as I see them, I see what I do to God all the time. You know, the, the tantrums, the uh, excuses, the, the thinking that I'm going to be able to do this on my own, right? All the time. Our, our girls do that. And I get so frustrated. I'm like, how many times have we talked about this, right? We, you don't do this. You can't do this. It's, it's not going to end well for you. And then I look at myself and go, I'm the same way. 40 years old, and I'm still screaming after church, you know? How does this make sense? How is this getting any better? And I think about, you know, Jeff talked about the perfect loving and yet holy father that holds us to a standard. And man, I am just, I am overwhelmed by this idea that he does it perfectly and treats me with such grace when I continually fail. So, 
what I, what I thought about doing just for fun, because I know that there's some people after me, is just going through the New Testament and taking every verse that talks about Father so that they would have nothing to talk about. But I'm not going to do that. All right. Uh, I'm not going to do that. But um, I really did think about it, though. That was fun. Um, as, as we've been going through this, you know, uh, we came in. They're, they weren't newborns, you know, and so newborns give you this opportunity to sort of break in as a dad and a mom um, Because I mean, yeah, they're crying and stuff like that, but there's no there's no discipline, right? Well, we we get uh, five-year-olds to start with and so this whole idea of discipline uh, Has been, been been really on my mind and, and how can I do a good job at discipline and as I continually fail and it's, it's very often that Sarah and I, one of us will come to bed at night and say, well, I didn't handle that right. <laughs> Messed that up. And we, we, we talk and, and pray about that stuff frequently. Here is what is said. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our own good, that we may share in his holiness. And so as I, as I look at at my kids and see myself in my own sinfulness and see myself rebelling against the discipline that I desperately need, I continue to be broken by, by what God plans for us and wants for us and know that as I try to discipline and raise these children to love God, like Martin said, to seek him, that at the same time, he's doing the same to me. That he is disciplining me and breaking me and trying to make me run to him. So what have I learned about uh, being a father and what has God taught me about himself? Uh, my wife and I were married for eight years before we had our daughter, Evelyn, and um, my wife and I, we worked several years with uh, youth and children at the uh, previous church that we were at. And we saw a lot of things that parents did right. We saw a lot of things that parents did wrong. We took note of those things. And uh, we thought, boy, we got this parenting thing figured out. <laughs> boy, were we wrong. <laughs> um, since we had our daughter, we've, we've had several parenting fails and uh, yet, I always seem to be reminded of God's active grace um, in, our, in our lives. Um, our daughter's about uh, three and a half years old, and God has taught me several lessons from being part of my daughter's life. And here's just a couple that uh, God brought back to my memory about this. Uh, number one, uh, that I need God and to be reminded that he is in control of everything. Uh, Psalm 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. 
Um, there were several times of uncertainty. Uh, basically, uh, after our daughter was born, uh, which was in November 2015, and uh, I got fired from my job in uh, June of 2016, and that was a that was a real difficult time and a time of uncertainty, uh, primarily because we decided we wanted to. Uh, follow God, follow Jesus, and, and basically go against the grain of what we had been raised in and what we had uh, been taught. And uh, I can remember my daughter laying in the crib there, and my wife doesn't know this story, but uh, she does now. Um, my, my daughter was laying in the crib there, and uh, there was just a lot of uncertainty what was going to happen, what we were going to do. And I could remember looking down at my daughter. She was there in the crib. She was asleep. And I just began to cry because I knew that as a dad, I had to provide for her. I knew that I had to take care of her. But yet, I didn't know what was going to come from all of this. And it was just almost in that time that God reminded me and said, I'm in control of everything. And no matter how difficult the circumstances may be, I'm in control and you have nothing to worry about. And as my daughter laid in that crib, she didn't know what was going on. She didn't know of all the uncertainty. She was just going through life, faithfully trusting uh, her parents that uh, we were gonna do what was best for her. But that is one thing that God reminded me of is that I need him and that he is in control of everything. Secondly, something that God has taught me is I need the gospel in order to be an effective father. Um, you know, we understand that our children are sinners. Uh, they can be very cute and sweet one second, but then they can turn on others and they can even turn on us as well. Um, I see, we see them get angry. Um, on a daily basis, we catch them in lies. We see their selfishness as it's expressed in some form or of another on a daily basis. Um, they really are sons and daughters of Adam, are they not? We see that sin nature in them. And God has taught me that what I need to teach my child is not necessarily behavioral change, but I need to teach them the gospel. Because my greatest need as a father is to be constantly reminded of the gospel and that my child needs the gospel as well. Behavioral change can only go so far, but it is the gospel which brings about true heart change. And is that not what we're after, is true heart change? We can teach them to be nice and teach them to be kind and we can teach them the right words, but yet if they've never had real true heart change, that child, whether being nice and kind and sweet, will still die and go to hell. And so they need true heart change. And I need to be reminded that as a parent, I fail and I fail often and I need the gospel and Jesus Christ is that perfect example that he has given me that even though I cannot attain to his perfect standard, yet through the gospel, um, I'm able to change and make changes and actually be the parent uh, that I need to be. Uh, there's really no greater hope than the gospel for me as a dad, and there's really no greater hope for you as a parent than for the gospel as well. 
And when I understand what God has given me in the grace of his son, this is, this is really the great reminder of how I am to really approach parenting because of what God has done for me, how he extended his grace when I was so undeserving, when he extended forgiveness and mercy towards me when I did not deserve it one bit. And so parenting is really actually about heart change and it's the exposure of, of the sinful heart, the sinful actions, the sinful decisions and showing them that there's real true change in Jesus Christ. And only Jesus Christ can really create the lasting heart change that we really need in our life. I'm reminded of Ephesians 2, one through 10. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, and I love this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I need the gospel to be an effective parent. If you don't mind, I'm gonna grab a stool and sit down. This is kind of stressful for me, so. <laughs> okay, I can do this. A uh, couple of things that I have to be, because I'm the last one up here. I better have something good to say. I better be short. <laughs> and I have to have something that hasn't already been said. So I have a list of seven things. So if the other guys each took one of the things I already had written down, I would still have something to say. They didn't say any of it, so I'm going to say all of it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I won't say all of it. Just a couple of thoughts here. I am Jesse Maurer, the worship pastor here. As of Thursday afternoon, I'm the father of five, a uh, one-year-old, two two-year-olds, a four-year-old, and a 10-year-old. So that's new for us this week. Anyway, in Romans chapter five, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Uh, when children are infants, we tend to do everything for them, right? We take care of them in the utmost way. We bottle feed them, we carry them everywhere, we protect them as much as we can. We do everything for them, provide for them in every way. But as they begin to get a little older, we start to kind of make them do things for themselves a little bit, you know. You can go outside and I'll stand up here on the porch and watch you. Uh, okay, now I'm gonna help you with your bike. Now I'm gonna let go as you ride your bike. And sometimes during that process, they fall down, scrape their knee. They, you know, might bang their toe. They might, 
in my case, cut their leg with a machete. <laughs> um, but all of these things are necessary. We wouldn't say that for a child to fall off a bike and scrape their knee is necessarily this horrible thing. Yes, it's painful. And if they're running on a slippery sidewalk and they slip and they scrape their knee, yes, it's painful, but guess what that teaches them? Don't run on a slippery sidewalk. You walk on a slippery sidewalk. And I think many times in our lives, we tend to view suffering as a terrible thing. And a lot of suffering is, you know, I, I'm not going to negate all suffering, but I think that God uses suffering, says right here, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that it produces endurance, character, and hope. So I think sometimes God can use the suffering in our lives to help us to grow, because if a child is coddled and bottled and everything all the way through life, they will never grow up, will they? If you don't teach them to talk, they will never talk. If you don't make them stand on their own two feet, they will never stand. And I think God some, in some way does that with us, and that's something I've been learning as a father, is sometimes, like when we, when we first come to faith, a lot of times we'll see amazing miracles or deliverances, like I've heard stories of folks that were, you know, addicted to alcohol or any manner of addiction, and they were delivered just like that when they became a Christian. And I think God does that for us, but as we continue to grow, he still gives us miracles and still provides for us. But he also makes us stand on our own two feet, and he makes us grow, and he, and he lets us stumble and fall. But he picks us up, and he says, okay, now what did we learn from that? We learned we don't run on a slippery sidewalk. We learn that we don't do these things, and... We also have the guidelines of scripture that help, right? So we give our children instruction, we give them teaching, and we try to help them to avoid the pitfalls, but sometimes we're stubborn and we just fall into a pit, right? But then our father is there to help us out and to show us, hey, that's why we don't run across the ditch. You know, that's why we don't do these things. So that's one thing that I've definitely been learning as a father is, to not just shuffle off suffering as this terrible thing that I need to get out of, but to remember that God is using that in my life to teach me things, anything. You know, it, depending on the suffering, it's always a different thing, but he uses that in my life to teach us things. We need to be comfortable with being a little uncomfortable sometimes. Oh, and just one other short, short thought here. Um, this week, my daughter Callie, so I dabble in Ninja Warrior a little bit, and Callie's been dabbling in Ninja Warrior a little bit. And uh, so <laughs> the other day, I heard her screaming from the backyard, and I thought, oh, what suffering are we going to go encounter right now? And so I hear her screaming, and I walk to the back screen, and we have a little trapeze bar on the swing set, and she's hanging for dear life from that little trapeze bar. Her feet are about four inches off the ground, and she is screaming her head off because she will, does not want to let go of that bar because of the abyss that is below her, right? <laughs> and she can't look down. Her head's like this, you know, looking at the bar. So I walked out to her, and I said, Callie, you can let go. And she's, no! Help me, Daddy! And I said, Callie, no, you can let go. And she's like, no. 
So I start to try to peel her fingers off the bar, and that is not happening. <laughs> so I picked her up and set her on the ground. And, but that's sometimes, I think, what we're doing to God. Uh, he's standing right there going, you're four inches off the ground, pal. You can let go. And yet we're just like, no! Anyway, so those are my thoughts. <laughs> Let's bow our heads this morning. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.